Good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. One of them is a checklist to help make better decisions faster. We're also going to be talking with Christina from Ideation at Work about Don't Ask, Don't Get. But right now we're going to chat with Louise Karsh, from, uh, who's an author of Name Influence, a book on how to name your business for success. And obviously we're going to talk about business names. Good afternoon, Louise. Hello, Julian. Thank you for joining us today. So I suppose the first question is, well, well how can I come up with a great business name? Naming is a volume game, so you want as many names as possible. When I work with companies, sometimes I'll generate up to 700 names to find wow. the absolute perfect one. Wow. That's a, that's a lot, isn't it? So, <laughs> it is. So, so why does your business name matter so much? The reason why your business name matters is because of what I call namefluence, which is the name of the book. You are trying to have a name that gets you influence and affluence. And the first step of that influence is we're in the attention economy. Coca-Cola is spending $2 billion on their brand, and you, as a little guy uh, starting your business, need to be able to cut through all that clutter. So you need a name that grabs attention because it's the beginning of a story worth telling. And is it important that it's uh, memorable and relates to your business? Well, it's even more that the name be memorable. You actually need a name that's unforgettable. Okay. And it, does it need to spell out what you do? Not necessarily. So if you look at a word like uh, Yahoo, which is based on um, uh, um, Gulliver's Travels, one of the characters in um, Gulliver's Travels, it has nothing to do with the business. But Yahoo, the scientists tell us, has what's called a low back-of-the-mouth sound. That openness is associated with expansiveness and power. So sometimes your word says what it is, but sometimes, like Apple, you've got a descriptor for your business that has to do with technology. It's mm. unexpected, and that's why it works. So, so what is one of the most, or what are the most common naming mistakes that people make? That is so important. I'm glad that you've asked that because your listeners quite possibly are naming a business right now. And the number one piece of advice I can give them is to be brave, not blah. It's really tempting to have a safe name, uh, one that makes you feel comfortable, but that doesn't break out. It blends in. So they've got to be brave. And, and what can you give us some examples of, of brave names? Sure. Uh, there's a, um, well, this is actually a wild example from the U.S. So you know that there's a lot of nail salons, for example, where people mm. go to get their nails done. Well, this is a very risque name. They named their business Hand Job Nail Salon. Mm. Okay. Now, that's a risque. That but what's happened is this woman who runs the salon has had hundreds and hundreds, even th hundreds of thousands, not quite hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands photos taken of her shop and shared across social media. They've got t-shirts, underpants, mm. love the word underpants, mm. because they've, they've been, they, they went right to the edge and that captures so much media attention. It was very brave. Uh, well, over here in Australia, a lot of people believe that if they've registered their business name, then they have ownership for it. And, of course, we've talked about that in the past, and that's not true. But should people Correct. trademark their name? That's 
such a good question. You're really doing a great job of service to your listeners. So, yes, they should trademark their name. And the reason why is the number one university in the world, MIT, two guys, two professors, um, Jorge Guzman and Scott Stern, looked at why startups succeed or fail. They looked at all the data between 2001 and 2011. Those enterprises that trademarked their names were five times more likely to grow than those that didn't. Mm. Okay, so well, that's an obvious reason why we should uh, trademark our name. We, we've mentioned a couple of names. What, what's your favourite business name? Well, I'm just going to go back to the trademark for one second. Oh, you sure? Yep. No, no, that's okay, Julian. Trademarking your name doesn't make you successful, but what it shows is if you do all the due diligence, if you take the best approach of best practices, then you're more likely to succeed. So trademark a name. Don't make it your own name because name, businesses named after yourself are 70% less likely to succeed. Mm-hmm. That's also shown in the research. So, uh, yes, now back to your question. You, what was your question again? What's your right favorite there, business name? What? What's my favorite business name? Well, I think in some ways it might be um, Haagen-Dazs. The guy who named Haagen-Dazs survived the Second World War, and he wanted a name that reflected how the Danes were kind to those who were being persecuted, uh, the Jews in the Second World War. And he sat at his kitchen table and said names over and over and over again until he found one that he liked. And that just happened to be Haagen-Dazs. So he made it up. He did it in a way to honor a culture and a language that he admired because they had values that he admired. And that was Ruben Mattis. He was born in Poland in 1912. A lot of Jewish parents. There's a lot of uh, weird names out there. Why are there so many weird names? Well, again, that's because they're choosing weird names like Snapchat and Instagram and um, Google. Because. Yeah, well, Google Google is a brilliant name. Mm-hmm. Google's got a what's called a low back of the mouth sound. That Google that that oh, it opens the mouth, and so people think it's big. And Google comes from a mathematical term of one followed by one hundred zeros. They wanted a name that represented vastness, and that was actually named by two PhD students out of Stanford. So weird names are there because they they capture intrigue. They cut through. Uh, the clutter, and in the attention economy, you've got to grab people's eyeballs. Mm, okay. So uh, those weird names often do it. Well, they do it is because um, they're unexpected, and again, they're brave. They're not blah. Mm. So just to, to conclude, what what's your best naming tip? My best naming tip is to, well, of course, buy my book, Namefluence, because that'll give you actually the 36 naming tips I discovered when I researched the game-changing brands around the world. So the important strategy is to use a number of different tips to figure out what name works for you. So I would say my number one tip is to generate as many names as you can using as many creative techniques as you can because you will find the perfect name. It's just going to take a little bit of thoughtfulness. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Louise. Uh, I understand you're in Newcastle, so enjoy Newcastle today, and we might have a chat with you again another time. Great. And did you want anybody to email in? I I will talk to them about that later. Thank you. Well, I'm okay. happy to help out. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Louise Koch there with uh, 
helping you to understand the importance of a name and think up those hundreds of names before you start. Time to pop over to our lady that talks about changes, Christina from Ideation at Work. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So I'm interested with this title for today, Don't Ask, Don't Get. Absolutely. So it's a motto that that, um, that I've lived by. It's a motto that I encourage uh, anyone that does a course with me or a program or uh, any business that, that we um, assist any kind of facilitation with. But if you don't ask for something, you don't get it. Uh, and I've got a really lovely story um, around why that is so important to people. We uh, used to run a, a music um a music festival, and we had a, a student. We, we used to run it with some students. A, a student came up to me and said, I really would like to ask Renee Geyer to do a vocal workshop. And I said, well, why don't you? She said, well, the class laughed at me when I suggested it. I said, well, right now you haven't asked Renee Geyer, so what are your chances of getting her? She said, zero. Uh, I said, and if you ask Renee Geyer, what are your chances of getting her? She said, well, 50-50. I said, and if you ask and she says no... We'd figured that, that she wasn't worse off. And if you ask and she says yes, then you are much better off. Anyway, she asked Renee Gaya to do the vocal workshop. Renee Gaya said yes. Not only did Renee Gaya give an awesome song, um, you know, vocal workshop, but she mentored that, that um, student yeah, for 12 yeah, months. Yeah. So had she not asked, she would, never would have gotten. But there's certain things that you really need to line up in order for that to work. Um, so what's the personal definition of success? Um, that you have for yourself um, or your business and will asking for something lead you towards that success? So what, is, what does success look like for you and does asking for whatever it is that you're going to ask for help you get there? So, so do you ask, mean by having a vision of what you're looking for there? Well, the vision comes before. So you, you okay. need to know what the vision is before you go out and ask for something, but you also need to know how you're going to measure what it is personally you consider to be successful. So oh, okay. some people yeah. measure success in terms of money. Yeah. Other people will measure success in terms of a, um, you know, I was reading something uh, today and it said that the, the KPI in this particular business was how many people smiled that day during work. Mm. Um, so anything from, you know, how many phone calls have you made, how many deals have you sealed to, how many people have smiled at you and thanked you, you know, with a gift card or whatever. So whatever that is going to be, how do you, are you going to measure that success to know that whether what you've asked for is successful and how do you know what to ask for in, in order to meet those KPIs? Mm. So standing secure, we talk to people often about standing secure in their space. So what does that actually mean? And, and again, it's how are you going to be of service to others who's already operating in this space? What's your USP? How do you stand securely on your two feet, secure in the gift that you're giving to um, other businesses to, you know, depending on where you, whether you're offering a product or service, what's that gift that you're giving? Mm. Um, the third duck that you really need to have lined up is who you're going to ask. So it's all about knowing your audience. Who's the target market? Who's your ideal client? You know, the avatar, the customer segment, whatever we want to call it these days because we do call it lots of different things. And who is it that you can ask something of who's going to help you connect with those people that you really want to connect with. So um, I hope that makes sense. So create the mm -hmm. avatar so that you know who is going to be of most benefit to the people that you want to serve at the end with your business, your product or your service. Mm -hmm. um, and then you start figuring out who you're going to ask. Um, where is where's the benefit going to come? How many people do you want to ask? Uh, what is it that, what's the outcome? Because you really need to be clear in any correspondence that you have with whoever you're going to ask something of, um, what you want from them. So if you're very clear in 
how you want that to benefit the people that you want to deal with and those people that you want to benefit, that's where you start forming the message of what it is that you're going to ask. But the whole thing behind it, the whole methodology behind it is if you don't ask, you have no chance of getting it, yeah. Uh, And I wish I'd made up that term, don't ask, don't get, but I haven't. I I have read it... um, since I did a Google search to see if anyone else was using it, yeah. uh, and they are. There's, there's, you know, there's quite a few people that, that have this mentality. So it's one of those things that kind of forms as, a, as that hundredth monkey syndrome. But there's other tips that I thought maybe we could go through a few more um, next week, or uh, I, we can go through a couple more now. But I know that I often talk too much. You've got, a, you've got another minute if you want to. I've got another one. Okay, so here's the other one. The, the next, the next tip is invest in yourself. If you're going to ask something of somebody else, then you have to be the expert in the field. In order for you to become the expert in the field, what is it that you need to learn? How are you keeping abreast? How are you keeping ahead? Because all that is going to help you serve the people that you want to, that you want as your clients as well. Mm. If you haven't invested in yourself, you don't know what it is that you need to ask in order to benefit your business, somebody else's business. So you really need to invest in yourself. And whether that's time, whether that's money, whether that's going to a conference, whether that's investing in an online program, although we have discussed that yeah. there's not many online programs that get completed, you know, so there's this whole science around online programs and whether they're actually um, of, of benefit. Lots of people sign up for them. Not many people complete them. Um, yeah, so that, that investment in yourself to become the expert, to know as much as you can and therefore to know of whom to ask and what to ask them is crucial in figuring out, um, you know, where you're going to go with your don't ask, don't get methodologies. And, and I think, yeah, we've got to keep emphasising that don't ask, don't get. There was a book out probably about 15, 20 years ago. There was a lady, she was on the speaking circuit. She came to Newcastle. I've got a copy of the book somewhere, which was yep. almost that, I think, I don't think it was called don't ask, don't get, but the, uh, the uh, idea was exactly the same. So. And isn't that isn't that what we say week after week, Julian? There is nothing new really under yeah. the sun. It's just that we've either forgotten or we've called it something else or it's gone out of fashion and now it's back in fashion and mm. I would love to borrow that book off you. Exactly. I'll, I'll dig it out of my library. That would be fantastic. Okay. Have a great week and we'll have a chat again next week. L- look forward to it. You have a great week too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. There's Christina with, uh, yeah, don't ask, don't get. What a fantastic say. We've got time for a Harvard Business Review tip because it's 27 minutes to two, a checklist to help you make better decisions faster. Decision-making overload is a common experience among managers, but you can process choice by more efficiently and achieve better outcomes by using a checklist. First of all, write down five company goals that will be impacted by the decision. This helps you avoid the rationalisation trap of making up reasons for your choices later. Secondly, write down at least three realistic alternatives. Thirdly, write down the most important information you are missing. Fourthly, write down the impact your decision will have a year from now. Then, get buy-in from a team of at least two, but no more than six stakeholders. Hearing different perspectives reduces your bias, but bigger groups have a diminishing return. Sixthly, write down what was decided as well as why and how much the team supports the decision. This increases commitment and helps you measure results. And then finally, schedule a follow-up in a month or two to make course corrections. So some little interesting ideas, sometimes making big decisions. We don't always wish procrastinate a little bit, don't we?
Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We spoke to Louise Kash, who is the author of Name Influence, How to Name Your Business for Success. If you want to find out more about her book, you can find her on LinkedIn. We've also spoken with Christina about Don't Ask, Don't Get. In a moment, Greg Richard will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll chat about innovation again with Christina. Have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Steve Jobs once said, your time is limited. Don't waste it living someone else's life.